Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe and internationally. Hello, this is Stephen Adams, Senior Director at Global Council in the GC office in London. Um, I'm here with uh, GC's practice lead for Central and Eastern Europe, uh, Alexander Smotrov, and we're going to talk about the fifth anniversary of uh, the Russian annexation of Crimea. And Alexander, you've, you've just published a, a blog on the GC site, which looks at the the, that, that fifth anniversary through the, through the prism of winners and losers. And to be pretty frank, you've struggled to identify any winners uh, in the way that uh, annexation and its consequences have played out. Um, you've identified four losers in particular. And what I'd like you to do is take us through those losers. But let, let's just start just with a, with a quick reminder of... The, the, the core uh, event of five years ago and the, way, the key ways in which they've played out since. Right. Um, hi, Stephen. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here and doing my first podcast on uh, GC topics. And, yeah, I should um, say, first of all, that Crimeans also have some personal experience for me because my uh, father spent a significant part of his childhood in Crimea. I uh, visited several times as a kid. And also, recently, most recently, so my sister uh, participated in an educational project there in 2016. So basically, so uh, these experiences are not only based on something where so I this, read this, this, is, this is not abstract for you. Yeah, it's not abstract. Uh, and coming back to your question, uh, so yeah, basically we all remember how in 2014 when things uh, went um, out of control in Kiev and basically there was a change of government uh, and things were unfolding very quickly and Russia was at the same time hosting the uh, Olympics uh, in Sochi and the whole world's eyes were on Russia. So uh, what um, Russia did quite cannily, so using the situation they basically sent uh, some uh, military contingent to Crimea and basically um, staged a bloodless uh, takeover of of the territory uh, because it was a strategic importance uh, for Russia to have presence in Crimea. They always had this navy, their navy there, and so on. But um, then uh, it was a very hastily arranged referendum and the population, most of uh, it is still um, ethnic, ethnic Russians, they voted overwhelmingly to um, first to uh, proclaim independence and then um, like in two days uh, to ask to join uh, Russia as a region. So again, it might be questionable how legitimate this referendum was, but uh, I think to my opinion, it was some kind of reflection of the public mood there because Ukraine uh, had neglected Crimea for, for quite a while back then. But obviously, the way how it was organized astonished the international community. Right. So, as you say, uh, the uh, absorption of Crimea into the Russian Federation in a highly contested way, five years on, and I mean, as you say in the blog, of course, at the time, um, this, while it was highly contested outside of Russia, it was, relatively speaking, a political success for 
Putin. But your judgment is that in the five subsequent years, that has very definitely changed. Tell us why. Yeah, absolutely. Again, so um, the um, uh, so-called homecoming of Crimea, as it was described back then, uh, created an unprecedented um, public euphoria in Russia, and even um, people who were normally skeptical or critical about what was going on domestically or internationally in Russian policy, they uh, approved of the way how kind of Putin handled the whole situation, and obviously his personal approval ratings skyrocketed uh, after after the Crimea. Uh, annexation or accession, as they uh, referred to that in Russia, and this helped to boost uh, his popularity at home and overshadow and or at least kind of put aside some of the um, structural uh, issues in uh, Russian economy, political, domestic life and so on. But obviously this effect has evaporated since then quite significantly. Again, uh, other developments and more, first and foremost economic uh, slowdown and other things like disillusionment in the local and federal government and other things like this pension reform last year and many other uh, domestic developments basically. But you think the you think that the, the kind of the evaporation of the Crimea dividend for Putin is driven more by wider issues than by a perception that the annexation itself was a mistake or has been a failure or has created uh, unwelcome burdens on Russia? I think it's both, actually, because um, some of this economic consequences were uh, directly or indirectly right. caused I mean, by, they're, by, by, they're, by they're the They're linked by the rest of the world's, to the rest, the rest of the world's response to the annexation, yeah, particularly um, sanctions, as you say. Exactly. Yeah. So the economic slowdown was partly due to sanctions, but uh, not only uh, this, obviously. And um, that, that is why we have uh, witnessed this kind of... Um, uh, yeah, the, the the consequence of, of that, and then even when, but people started to realize that kind of um, these things are connected. For for example, increased spending on uh, all these infrastructure projects, so this uh, massive bridge uh, and uh, power stations and uh, water utilities, because basically Crimea was cut off by Ukraine from anything, and it's, uh, it's called a peninsula, but de facto it's an island because it's very. Um, weakly connected to uh, the rest of Russia, there is no border, and obviously, uh, yeah, you had to reconstruct uh, or re restore the whole infrastructure from uh, from uh, from scratch. So, uh, and people realized that, I don't know, uh, money which could have been spent on something in their backyard now being sent away to uh, support these projects. And but okay, so the, the point you're making there is that Putin's paid a political price but Russia itself has paid a price in international standing, in having to absorb the impacts of sanctions, in having to absorb the fiscal impact of having to support Crimea. Um, you, you clearly see Russia itself as a loser here, not just Putin. Um, exactly. And as I said, so um, first of all, the uh, Russian international standing has suffered a lot, international prestige. So what was aimed to uh, to be a kind of big uh, historical achievement uh, which would uh, give Putin a place in the te historic textbooks 
in the end ended up as a kind of very dubious um, uh, exercise which uh, uh, even Russia's closest allies uh, like Belarus or Kazakhstan uh, didn't support. They were very cautious in the, their assessments. Uh, so subsequently, they basically uh, acknowledged the de facto situation, but they never um, acknowledged the de jure status of Crimea as part of Russia. So this is, I think, a very significant uh, signal. And obviously, this will stay and this will haunt uh, Russia for, for a long time. Right. So you, you just made the point that uh, you know we can debate the legitimacy of the Crimean referendum, but in the end, it's undeniable that the material element of the Crimean population favoured the idea of closer, closer alignment with Russia. But you conclude here that it's pretty much unequivocal that Crimea itself has emerged as a loser from the last five years. Tell us why. From the beginning, uh, Crimea uh, had quite high hopes, actually, to benefit from this um, new... Uh, alliance uh, with uh, Russia economically and socially because, uh, as I said, people were quite uh, neglected for uh, for the years before that. And even from the population uh, point of view, from businesses point of view, they had some new expectations, which unfortunately did not materialize for various reasons. And uh, first of all, these reasons obviously are sanctions because they prohibited not only trade and goods and services uh, in Crimea, but basically stopped the domestic investments, um, starting from very basic things uh, like banks or mobile phone operators which uh, work in, in mainland Russia. They, they couldn't um, enter Crimea and work there because the price for them would be too high, uh, they would um, immediately become subject of the secondary sanctions and with their international exposure to um, global capital markets and supply chains, they could not simply afford this. And uh, when the Russian government tried to coerce them to do that last year, they basically uh, rebelled very um, uh, vocally, which is not very typical for Russian businesses to go against uh, what the government or Russian authorities uh, suggest them to do uh, because the economic price would be too high, as I said. Right. But on the other hand, the local businesses in Crimea, and it was a lot of uh, talk about this in the in the last few few weeks, did not uh, manage to take an advantage of uh, new conditions because of some legacy issues like corruption, and also they were kind of in a, some kind of legal vacuum to to do this. So no one wants to move because they do not know and the, the level of uncertainty is still too high. And what about Ukraine? I mean, again, you, um, you're, you're pretty consistent here. You see everybody is losing. Uh, Ukraine's paid what, ended up paying what price for the last five years? First of all, Ukraine um, obviously has lost a big chunk of its territory and uh, population-wise and economic-wise it was a painful uh, blow for them which they uh, couldn't reconcile obviously over these five years. And now uh, during the presidential elections campaign which is ongoing and will culminate in the first round of elections uh, next uh, Sunday, 
the relations with Russia in general and the Crimea issue in particular um, have become central to the campaign and every candidate has their own uh, view which uh, which is basically yeah we need to take Crimea back and the incumbent president Poroshenko promised to do this very soon after uh, he is re-elected as he hopes. But, but that, mean, that means what practically? Uh, practically, again, so how realistic this uh, promise is, is a big question because Ukraine doesn't have um, real leverage or live, uh, real means or tools how to do this. They cannot do this militarily. It might be, again, over the time, some kind of agreement or a trade-off, but obviously the current government uh, while it's still too fresh, the, the, I mean, uh, not the government, the, while the situation is Again, too uh, recent, they have very little political or other means to, to, do, to do much about it. Okay, well, there's, there's obviously one other big actor in this puzzle, and, that, and that's the EU. Um, is there any sense in which the EU has won uh, from the last five years, or really does it just line up with your other four losers? It's difficult to see the EU as a winner here, um, and um, obviously it's uh, also a loser to, to a certain extent, because um, first of all, um, the relations between Russia and the EU have worsened to all-time low, probably. Also, the Ukrainian-European vacation uh, has uh, become more complicated because of Crimea. Obviously, we have now the association agreement and uh, deep, and deep and comprehensive free trade agreement in place, but still, uh, they have lots of caveats. And um, the political and geopolitical relationship between uh, uh, EU and its um, eastern neighbors um, has been immensely complicated by, by, by this and uh, the EU values um, do not allow the EU uh, pragmatism to to thrive here so the economic relations which EU might have had with Russia are being uh, limited to a great extent by the EU uh, formal stance on the Crimean issue and obviously uh, they would never um, um, recognize it neither the jury, uh, nor even de facto, whatever whatever you can uh, hear from uh, Moscow or other places. Right. What's your, I mean, this is a very pessimistic outlook, and, and you do a very good job of explaining why we should be pessimistic. If there's any reason to think that this, that this, this tension is going to do anything other than kind of ossify over the years ahead, uh, what might it be? I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you potentially... Um, unlock some of this problem in a way that allows all four actors you've just described, plus the EU, to kind of move forward in a, a in a constructive way. Um, first of all, it might be um, some kind of a resolution once a new generation of political leaders uh, come um, come to power in uh, in all these places, including uh, Russia, Ukraine, and the European Union, and further uh, afield. They might want, if there is enough political will to resolve it in uh, in a certain way. Uh, so it might it might happen, but um, again, many many people are talking about some kind of trade off. 
but again from where we are now it's still very difficult to see any political or diplomatic or even economic rationale uh, how, how this could be done um, to, to, to turn this lose-lose situation into a win-win situation. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, just to finish, your, 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 your point um, seems an incredibly important one to me, that the, this conflict has fundamentally changed and created some really important blockages in the relationship between the EU and Russia. And that, that's not just a question of geopolitics, that's a question of economic integration and commercial integration. And for companies trying to straddle that divide, this looks like a real problem and a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. Absolutely. And for European companies which are developing their business in uh, Russia, so obviously this creates an additional layer of um, complexity uh, regarding compliance, regarding their risk assessment, regarding their yeah, investment uh, protection and so on. And um, this will always be uh, a factor which might limit or complicate uh, European investments in Russia. Great. Um, you can read Alexander's blog and a lot more on the Global Council website. That's www.global-council.co.uk. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website, www.global-council.co.uk and subscribe to our mailing list. You can also follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.